Prologue. He knows. Yes, he does. What shall we do to counteract this discovery? Rebirth the Fallen. Is this truly what you desire? Yes. There can be no one else to hold him. Why not use the scientist? He is far more capable than the boy. You rely on him too much. I'm certain that either would succeed. Leave me alone. If you wanted to free us, then you would use the boy. You truly care not for people such as me. Is that it? I did not say that. You simply do not have the same perspective on these matters as I do. Fine. I guess I can live... I guess that I can live with you and your secret plans. Do not mock me, brat. I have heard the language of the, of the apocalypse for too long, and the silence has only increased my appetite for destruction. So, oh wise and mighty master, what should we do when the war strikes? What we have arranged, child. What we have arranged. End script number 3009842B. Oliver Sparks presents... Undertale, by Toby Fox and company. First Tale, a fan-made prelude to Undertale. Chapter 1, Hope. The sky was a beautiful Bob Ross painting texture. A mixture of gold, red, and pink as life poured and spread through the city. Lamps turned off from the dark, cafes opened their doors, and people and monsters everywhere got up to start their days. This was a world of peace and harmony. Among many, and although few disliked the notion of living with monsters, many embraced this new species, and thus peace had been created. Many kinds of monsters had different kinds of jobs. For example, Looks, a monster with a singular eye, was a very popular renowned sculptor and glasses manufacturer, valued for its incredible eyesight. For another, Stantler, a reindeer with spidery eyes, was very commonly used for lights to spray and coat rack designs. He was not always amused, but he enjoyed his honest living, and his job paid well. To put it simply, different monsters can help with different jobs, benefiting others. Now, it should be said that among humankind, there are different types of humans as well. You see, very few children or adults, though adults are rarer than children, once every year are chosen to support a trait that makes up your being, and thus they become a human soul. The main humans in this timeline are these fortunate children who we will be focusing on. Guidance, the very first human soul and eldest to all. Hope, second oldest and a brilliant tactician with a blade. Purity, youngest of the three and mysterious in her own ways. Pride, a kingly child with boots when connected to form a drill to mine for riches. Dedication, a well-built, sturdy child who inhabits the woods around the city and love, a charming soul from a ruined timeline, who will eventually either save or destroy everyone. These are the humans who are fated to protect our reality and maintain order throughout everything. That is, once they wake up. Hope rolled over in bed, his fatigued eyes rolling lazily around his room. 
He sat up in bed and then recoiled from the blinding sunlight streaming through his window. He then shifted his gaze through his hand down to his alarm clock, which faced his bed menacingly. Hope whispered ever so softly, Don't. And as if to accept the challenge, the clock struck seven and blasted out, It's a beautiful day. Oliver dove off the bedside wall, wrapping his fingers around the hilt of a platinum broadsword, and he swung, slicing through the clock. The clock's music screeched to a grinding halt and cluttered off the desk and into the trash can with the other unfortunate ancestors. Hope sat up from amidst his closet and grabbed his things out from the wreckage, his pilot's jacket, helmet, goggles, and his padded boots. He kicked open the door, only to be greeted by Purity, who was already making herself breakfast. Oliver walked over and sat down next to her at the table. And good morning, sis. What are you up to? Purity looked over, her amethyst eyes shining through her crimson red hair. Getting my day started, sleepyhead. Did you wreck your alarm clock again? Hope laughed. <laughs> yeah, I did. He popped a piece of toast into the toaster and grabbed butter and a knife. Purity frowned at this. You should really eat more than just one piece of toast. Hope looked at his sister like she had two heads. I was going to make cereal. Ruby sighed, going back to her book. That's... Uh, acceptable, I guess. But please, don't go causing any more trouble today, okay? Hope grinned. And why would I do something like that? Just then, the phone started ringing, and Hope dove across the table for the phone. He slipped up, and then opened and connected his tablet to see his older brother, Guidance. Hey bro, enjoying life at Topsail? Guidance smiled from his end, and he took a sip from his orange juice. Uh, you know it. Guidance preferred the sandy, salty breeze of the sea over the crowded noise of the city. He found the sound of the ocean soothing, and he used it to relax and get away from using his powers. So, I'm flying back to the city today. Purity's voice crackled from the other end. Really? That's awesome! Miguel grinned through his thin beard. Yeah, but don't go making me go to any theme parks. Please, you know I get nauseous easily. Oliver shook his head. Don't worry. Your visit will be strictly to either our apartment or the mall. Guidance smiled at this. That feels better than last time. Talk soon, man. Oliver and Ruby smiled and waved. Talk soon, bro, they said in unison. Guidance switched off his mirror dagger, and after sheathing it and setting it down on the table, he swirled his orange juice in its champagne glass and took another sip. Chapter 2. Despair. Now, as any story will usually have, there's an antagonist. What's an antagonist? Go look it up. No, seriously, I urge you to stop this episode, go look up the word antagonist, because if you've read any book, you should know that there's always an antagonist. It, yeah, you get the point. So, getting back to the main point. For every positive, there must be a negative. For every sunbeam and rainbow and lollipop and unicorn, there's a gray cloud and a shadow. And for every hope, a despair. This, dear reader, is our antagonist. Despair is a powerful, nightmarish force, sealed away by the gods of our world for fear of his power, banished to the void, a sickening, harsh, and unforgiving plane. Despair now waits for his freedom. Deep within the void, chains clank and clatter against each other. There is a figure here. His hair, long and pale gray. His ancient armor, once glorious and shining, now lies about his body, 
torn and weathered from time. A single pink and black flaming eye glares out from the forest of gray hair in hatred and resentment. But he says nothing, for nothing needs to be said. His name is Despair, and this is how he escaped from the void. Despair waited silently, waiting only for his monthly appointment. In the void, one month was one day. But finally, his patience rewarded him with a slow hum and a bright flash of light. A portal, swirling white and blue, had opened into the void. But through the portal, instead of the scientist, stepped another human. This one, however, was shrouded in thick black smoke which curled and hissed off their skin. The figure molded their hand, spiking and pulsing with power, into a blade. The human then surged forward, striking like a shadow, and suddenly, without fault, the chains binding back the cursed evil fell, clattering to the ground. But even then, as Despair inspected his new freedom, the figure grabbed him by his long gray hair, yanking him up. Despair gazed into the eyes, white and empty, through the smoke. A human tilted their head to one side. Hello. Despair said nothing and only stared intently at the new person. My name is Hatred, and I have come to free you and give you a new purpose. Despair sat, burning through his chains with his newly restored powers. And what of the scientists? Hatred grimaced through their spiked veil. The scientist will no longer be joining you. I have sent him to another place, far from here. Despair sat up and smiled, his razor-sharp teeth glinting in the portal's light. Excellent. So, hatred, you say? A pleasure to meet you. I presume, then, that you can respect my wishes and leave me to my work? Hatred took a step back, dumbfounded. What? No. No, you work for me now. You can't just leave. Despair mumbled those words as if to mock Hatred, and then started for the portal, putting one foot through. Give me one good reason why I should not leave you for dead, child. Hatred stamped their foot on the ground. Because if you leave, then you'll never be able to take revenge on the ones who imprisoned you. Despair stopped, turning back to the human. Ah. Now that, my friend, could potentially be a good reason. Hatred backed up as the much more powerful despair loomed over them. I control you, not vice versa. Together, we can separate human and monster once and for all. Despair nodded, considering the deal. However, he also contemplated the possibility of a lie. But he knew deep within that he could use this new character, mold them to his liking, and use them for his own intentions. Despair smiled at this, knowing full well what was laid out before him. He then stopped and held out his ruined, gloved hand. Despair, or Drake, you may call me whichever suits your liking most. Hatred grinned, holding out their hand as well. Hatred, or you could call me Alex. The two shook hands, both with grim intentions towards the other, and they set out, back through the portal and into the open world. Despair took in the warmth of the sun, the softness of the grass, and the sounds and sights of a city far away. Huh. It has been too long since I have been here. Hatred stared over at Despair, but said nothing. They both donned black shirts, jeans, and, and Despair donned a striking black and neon pink set of sneakers. 
They set off, Hatred and Despair, Drake and Alex, to find and destroy the Treaty of Both Worlds. Chapter 3 Guidance Miguel hit the runway fast, donning his quoted perfect gear of a sea green button-up shirt, jeans, and sandals. He climbed aboard his private jet and set off for the city skyline. Guidance was very rich and known for his talents and all-seeing knowledge of right and wrong. He had even helped the president a few times in the past. However, Guidance no longer used his abilities to get by in life. He felt that there was no need to use them and that it was considered cheating in life. He looked out over the puffy, silky white clouds and swirled his orange juice in his champagne glass, smiling. He leaned over, grabbing his microphone. Pilot, what's the exact time until our arrival? A pilot, a charming man of 24, named Lewis, turned on his end. We'll be landing in the next two hours, sir. Excellent. Thank you, Lewis. Guidance switched off his mic and sat back to admire the view. And in his mind, he drifted into a strange and harrowing dream. Miguel awoke in a dark, shadowy place. He sat bolt upright and grabbed his mirror dagger for defense. He looked around, and on every side he was met by hanging mirrors. Each mirror had a different reality within it, and you could peer through and see what was going on. Guided strode past many of these, walking down a long, endless treadmill. But finally, the wheels stopped turning, and he was faced with a strange mirror depicting a distorted, worm-like beast fighting against hundreds of children. His friends. Guidance stared even harder into the reality, but what he saw shocked him. This was not a reality. This took place in the future. Fifty years into the future, to be precise. He reeled back in awe and smacked a hand to his head. Thousands of voices began ringing out as he watched Hope, a little older, a little stronger, Seize his broadsword thrusted into the creature's eye as white light engulfed the mirror. Guidance struggled to run, but he too was locked up in the light. Miguel sat up like a bullet, drooled down one part of his mouth, and the other mushed from resting on his hand. He looked out the window and saw the sky shimmering right before him. The city skyline also loomed far away, and Guidance shivered from the memories and nostalgia of the world he once knew. He signaled to Lewis, and the plane slowly began to descend, curving down towards an airport. Moments later, Miguel climbed down the steps of his jet and was, as usual, met with a cheery sight. A boy, dressed in stuffy pilot's gear with a sword on his back, and a small red-haired girl, adjusting her glasses. Guidance took off his hat, revealing his coal-black hair and sea-green eyes, and he walked over to be embraced by his siblings. The big three were all back together, but little did they know, the three would soon be four. Guidance walked all around the city with the bright sun shining and greeting the new day. All around, billboards and signs flashed with neon and screens. Guidance had to adjust his eyes to the spectacle. Yeesh, I guess a lot has changed since I was last year, huh? Hope laughed softly. Yeah, you've been gone for quite some time, big bro. Purity looked up at him, then down and huffed. This did not, however, go unnoticed. What's wrong, Ruby? Purity looked up at her older brother. It's not fair. How come everyone else around me gets to grow up and change? Hope leaned down and patted her on the shoulder. Yes, he had to lean down. Hey, don't worry. Maybe you're special. Purity glared at Oliver. 
Don't give me that. Oh, you're so special. BS. You know that's not it. Hope stood back up, not breaking his stride. Okay, just trying to lighten the mood a bit. Guidance tucked his hands into his pockets. So, is anything gone haywire since I was last gone? Or has everyone still been treating you like heroes? Hope grimaced, recoiling from bad memories. That's not exactly how it goes anymore. But yeah, kind of. Guidance nodded and continued. So, I'm guessing you had a plan in mind for today? Hope replied with honesty in his tone. We're gonna go check out a new mall that's finished construction, and we'll get something to eat and head home. Sound like enough for you, turtle? Miguel grinned. You know not to call me that, white. Hope rolled his eyes and stopped pushing back the other two. Purity bumped into his arm and had to grab her reading glasses. Ugh, now what? Hope pointed up to a billboard. Take a look, it's a treaty sign. Far above, a giant billboard on one of the skyscrapers illuminated the president's face and him shaking hands with a goat-like, kingly figure. Who's that? Guidance asked, pointing at the goat. Hope looked down solemnly. That's King Asgore. He's the ruler of all the monsters here in the city. He, along with the president, are in unison to form an official treaty, provided nothing stops the current time and date, of course. As they stood in the street, many either walked by or bumping into them. Nevertheless, the trio continued into the heart of the city and towards the Premier's Mall. Chapter 4 Mall Adventure Hope, Purity, and Guidance marveled at the beautiful architecture and buildings stretched before them. Fountains spewed up crystal clear water, and bushes lined the walkways up to the mall. People and monsters were chatting, eating, and even playing games here. Hope looked up, puzzled. Yeah, this is great and all. But seriously, do they allow kids by themselves here? They walked along the stone brick paths and asked one of the guards out front. Excuse me? The guard looked down after it, they asked their question and smiled. Well, oh, that's not a problem at all. You're welcome here as long as you have money and ID. Guidance pulled forth his wallet and held it out for it, the guard to see. The guard inspected it keenly and then his eyes lit up. Oh, Mr. Sparks, I never realized you would be visiting from the shores. Guidance stepped back and simply nodded. The guard turned and yelled for another. The other guard ran forward, and guard one turned to his partner. Please attend to Mr. Spox and his guests every whim, okay? Guard two beamed with pride and welcomed the children in quickly. Hope, after being ushered through, turned to Guidance. Mr. Sparks, huh? You stole my name when you went on tour? Guidance grinned. I had no other last-minute ideas or plans. Give me a break. Deep within the storage of the mall, in a giant open warehouse, one of the mirrors in, from the mall, propped up against the wall, began to quiver violently. It shook about furiously until finally, with a burst of light, it spewed up a child and then returned to its ghostly silence. The human, a girl with a striking blue sweater with purple lines and snowy white hair to go with her blue eyes, stood up dusting herself off. Uh, wait. Did I make it? Did I actually get to the surface? She looked all around the warehouse and then pumped her fist excitedly in the air. Yes! I did it! I did it! I traveled back before I was born and I broke the barrier! She stood up, wearily at first, before setting off toward the nearest entrance into the mall. So, anyways, uh, what do you think of the food? Hope, Guidance, and Purity sat on the second floor, enjoying what they considered to be one of the finest delicacies in all the world. Pizza. Purity grinned wildly after she had finished her slice. It tastes like heaven on a plate. She sat back in her chair, grinning all the same. Hope smiled and admired the view from behind the glass railing. The 
view is amazing. You can see the city out through the one-way mirrors built to the front. Guidance turned to hope, ecstasy all over his face. You know, I think I made the right decision coming back here, Ollie. Hope sat up, placing his hands on his lap. However, this precious rest did not last long. Because from out of nowhere, Hope heard someone yell his name through the crowd below. Hey, Ollie, down here! Hope sat up, peering over the railing to see who was calling. It was the girl, with snow-white hair and blue and purple striped hoodie. She started making her way over to the group, ascending one of the escalators cautiously, as if it was her first time. Uh, does anybody know what's going on here? Hope asked, turning to Guidance and Purity briefly. They both looked over at the girl, then to Oliver, and then shrugged in unison. Finally, the girl ran over to meet them and yanked Hope up from the seat. What the- Hey! The girl wrapped her arms around Hope and squeezed him as hard as she could. Hope stood awestruck by this sudden turn of events. Hey, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but suddenly Hope heard what definitely sounded like a sniffle. Uh, oh, hang on. Are you crying? The girl tried to wipe her tears away. I, I've missed you so much, Hope. Hope looked over at her shoulder to Guidance, who was puzzled as well, and Purity, who was giving Hope two thumbs up. He stared at Purity with disgust like she had two heads, and then found the strength to break away and finally get a good look at this person. Her eyes, once blue as the sky, were now red and beady. Uh, do I know you by any chance? The girl sniffled, then wiped her tears away with her sleeve. I'm sorry, I, I suddenly forgot that this is you from before all that. Hope stared at her confused. I'm sorry, before? The girl looked up and then smiled. <laughs> good old Hope. Anyways, the girl held out her hand not only to Hope, but to Guidance and Purity as well. My name's Alicia, but you can call me Elise, Elise the Skeleton, and I'm from the future here to save you from your imminent doom. Guidance, Purity, and Hope all stared at each other and Elise with looks of concern and absolute confusion on their faces.